Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB. Brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hello, this is the COB, the stuff that you need to know about the day markets and business. I'm Kyle Rotter and uh, I'm with Danny Akuye. Danny, looks like a little bit of a, uh, well, a softer session perhaps, unwinding some of the gains that we saw yesterday. Yeah, I'm just having a wee look now. What have we got? Yeah, about four tenths of a percent down. Uh, yeah, pretty directionless really at the end of the day. Um, and uh, just some profit taking pretty much across the board when I looked earlier with the exception of the utility sector. And uh, let's just check in quickly. Yep, utilities was the only really green one today. Energy sold off quite a bit and um, we'll see when we look at some of the stocks in terms of where the profit taking's been. Yeah, maybe a bit of a defensive flavour. We did have a, uh, well, a few significant risk events today, or at least we're banging them up as being fairly significant. That takes us to the three themes of the day. Uh, First of all, RBA minutes didn't really tell us too much that we didn't know already, uh, but more or less a cue there that uh, things are, well, Well, pause for now and they're going to reassess the situation. Absolutely. They're going to continue to see how all those interest rate rises flow in Um, in terms of because we've still got a lot of mortgages basically still adjusting upwards. So I think the RBA, it was a very close call that they were thinking of actually raising at the last meeting, but pause and reflect, pause and reflect. Meanwhile, China had some quite good GDP numbers, didn't they? They did see, um, I was chatting uh, with an independent economist, Janu, earlier on, saying that the consumer has picked up, but also the Chinese government has been investing a lot more in infrastructure. So probably not long-term what they want to do, but at the moment they are having to, I suppose, kickstart the economy Mm. to get it up to that 5% growth rate. And that's a really interesting point too, isn't it? Because one thing I think a lot of Aussie investors anyway have been disappointed with is that, uh, well, as uh, the leadership there keep telling us, it's going to be more of a Mm. consumer-led recovery, which means, well, a lot less investment in, you know, things like infrastructure and construction Mm. activity and things that feed into our miners and what have you. But, um, well, maybe some good signs there from a word on the street, maybe that there could be a little bit of extra stimulus, at least in those uh, crucial areas of the economy. And last but not least, uh, we'll talk a bit of tech as well, because we do have the beginning, uh, I would call it anyway, of some of those tech names Absolutely. In the next, Net- uh, couple of days. Yep, Netflix tonight. And obviously people will be looking for the subscriber numbers there. Also looking at how they are going in terms of uh, payments, advertising, all of that. But the big one is probably Tesla. 
Mm. And that comes out on uh, Wednesday night, our time. And people will be very much looking for margins, what's been going on, because they have been price cutting. A lot of competition, um, particularly softness um, in the EV markets, both in China and also in the US. So given that some of those stocks have been really good performers, they may be bellwethers to some profit taking as well. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I found out something interesting today from Tony Sycamore is that Netflix isn't um, going to be publishing its subscriber. Oh, isn't anymore. it? No. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. So they're, only, they're going to be focusing on their, their revenue instead and ah, try and shift the focus away yeah, from yeah, subscriber yeah, growth, yeah. which basically says that's Good point. a metric that I want to emphasize anymore. So we'll have to try and dig through the, uh, I suppose, details there to get any kind of sense on what they're actually doing when it comes to subscriber numbers. But no, they want us to focus on, on, on revenue. So I learned, learned that one today. But um, let's get across some of the sectors that we do like to track. And I thought, um, well, we'll keep it resource focused just to start with because we did have that China data. And there wasn't really that much of a response. In fact, if you look at the screen here, no. Danny, that you know, really was actually quite flat. Absolutely. And I believe Singapore and Dalian um, iron ore futures were up a little bit off China data, but not much flowing in there in terms of um, the big material stocks. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much flatlining at the moment. Yeah, not too exciting. And uh, energy, we'll have a look at that because... Well, it was a laggard in the US last night. We actually saw about a 1.7% drop in the oil price overnight. So that weighed on, on Wall Street energy. Um, but we're also seeing here uh, some weakness coming through the likes of Woodside off by almost 3%. Uh, the coal players bounced back, but that was after a sell-off to, to start. Yeah, Macquarie is flagging a possible uh, change in the uh, resource rent tax for both mm. Santos and Woodside, which may have had some pit impact there. But you're right, utilities firmer today. The only thing I can suggest, because I haven't picked up on any news, is possibly the lead from overseas. I noticed that some of the utility stocks in the US had been firmer overnight, but I certainly haven't picked up anything. No, it's uh, just right enough as, a, I don't know, maybe a bit of defensive positioning or something <laughs> like that going into uh, a couple of days of key event risk. Who, who knows? But uh, certainly the, the, the top performing areas of the mark today are those utilities. But, uh, well, let's get to the stock of the day. Uh, Danny, take us away because obviously you were hosting again today. The, uh, the, the call. call. Well, it was indeed with some very bad jokes. So apologies to uh, everyone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Two guests, um, basically Joshua and Scott. Uh, neither of them were particularly well disposed towards Pilbara. So Scott just basically doesn't like uh, to invest in commodity stocks. So mm. it was a complete out and out avoid. And uh, Joshua was more inclined towards uh, mineral resources as another stock, um, as an alternative. So Pilbara really, in spite of the upgrade that we've seen from UBS that has pushed the stock higher today, didn't find any love from our two guests today. No, Scott Phillips and Joshua Barker here talking about Pilbara Minerals. Here's what I had to say. Well, I will be controversial, so that's always fun. Mate, I'm, I've been a, a long-term uh, avoider of the lithium sector, and that's not changing today, and it's not changing when it comes to Pilbara. And it comes down to a couple of things, mate, but largely it's very, very difficult with any confidence to forecast the long-term price of any commodity, including lithium. I don't know what happens, and sometimes the too hard pile is a very welcome place. So I'm putting lithium there squarely and fairly. I'm not bearish, not betting against it, but I'm absolutely not betting for it because I have no concept of what the price will be in three, five, or 10 years' time. And as, a, as an investor, as a long-term investor, if you don't have a view on that, I don't think you have a, a place investing in lithium. Yeah, not necessarily um, bearish on, on the lithium market, but uh, you know it has struggled this calendar year anyway. 
So if you do want to be in this space, I think Bilbao is the best place to be in that space. Um, but even just in the ultra short term, it is struggling to significantly go above that $4 mark uh, this, this year. So um, I'd just be cautious with it at least. So a sort of interesting call there. I mean, it was not quite a sell. It wasn't quite a hold. It was just not our cup of tea. We want to uh, avoid it. So um, yeah. perhaps horses for courses there. If you like your pill replays, you're into your commodities, you know, perhaps it's uh, it's, it's something few, but uh, those guys, it's it's not up their alley. But um, okay, let's get to the view because mm. uh, systemic risk, we're all talking about it, or at least have been recently. And uh, well, you've brought your wealth of wisdom to the, to the view today. What's it all about? Yeah, and there's some benefits of growing older because you've seen a few financial crises. <laughs> so basically, I just refer to long-term capital management was the first big example of systemic risk in financial markets that uh, I lived through. And why I've raised this is there is concern from the likes of the head of the SEC as well as the IMF about the shadow banking system, the non-bank financial intermediaries, which have grown substantially in size. Basically, these are financial institutions, hedge funds, pension funds that don't take in deposits, but can be extremely leveraged. And I guess what I was trying to say is that it's not necessarily if there is another big risk off event, we don't always know where it is, but in periods when interest rates rise, things happen. We've seen it in the UK gilt market, we've seen it in the regional banks, and they are flagging just maybe concerns, not saying anything's going to happen, but the leverage in the hedge funds is huge. And I think they're up at, um, they've quadrupled in size post-2009. So when you combine that with the VIX, which is at a 52-week low over Mm. in the US, I guess I was just saying to investors, well, you know, there's a bit of complacency sinking into the US markets. Yeah, and I, uh, I was caught off guard a little bit when it came to the uh, the VIX overnight. Of course, it can be a, a read of, uh, of many different things and perhaps you can read into it what you will, but 16. Uh, yeah, I've 16. Seen that in a really long yeah, time. Yeah, 16. And, and also the move's been coming down as well. So, um, you know, for those people that watch things like the VIX, yeah. um, you know, I, I think. You know, it's just worth always to be well informed is to be well armed. (laughs) And there you go. That's a perfect uh, place to leave that one. But let's get to our guest for the show. And uh, Martin Crabbe from Shore Partners joins me now. Martin, uh, where should we pick up? I mean, obviously, we're just talking about systemic risk, uh, but maybe we'll we'll, we'll start with uh, the the RBA minutes just for now, Mm. because... Well, I guess it just uh, rubber stamps what we already knew. Um, things are on hold, we're, we're pausing, then could hike again. We'll, we'll wait and see what the data has to say. Yeah, there, were, it was a, there was a hawkish tone to it, which the market didn't like. Though mm-hmm. the, the dollar rallied a little bit and the equity mm-hmm. market sold off post those, those um, minutes being released. And if you compare the language with the previous month, mm-hmm. um, you can see that you know this whole idea of, of um, cutting, which is what the market was thinking back on the 16th of March, which was after the Silicon Valley Bank, you know, the market was pricing in cuts. We've now moved back to an RBA on hold, but the minutes today basically said we're gonna hike again. So I know there's at least a couple of banks that are saying a hike in May, there's a few that are saying a hike in August, but they're basically saying, we just wanted to have a bit more of a look at the data. So we've obviously got the CPI number out next week. Um, We've then got maybe some indication from Fair Work uh, commission about what they're thinking about with minimum wages, which will come through sometime in June, um, just to give themselves a bit more time to look at the numbers and household spending, etc. So the ANZ came out with their credit card spending data today, which showed a pretty big sharp, a pretty sharp slowdown. Sorry, in consumer spending in March, um, 
you know, take into account the positioning of Easter versus last year. So I think, yeah, a lot of people are now saying, well, okay, they're not going to be cutting rates. They're going to be at least holding them, but probably more leaning towards another hike. So we get to 385 and then we stop. Hmm. Mm, interesting. And obviously, if we get a bit of support out of China as well, how did you read those numbers today? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, the viewers may not know, but China doesn't publish economic data for January and February because of Chinese New Year. Mm. So you get a whole bunch of data in, in March. So today we've got retail sales, fixed asset investment, you know, GDP, the whole kit and caboodle for the quarter. And so you kind of had to backfill your model. So GDP itself came up 4.5%, which is above expectations. People look at the composition and said it was very much driven by retail spending. But household savings in China grew 27% this quarter over the previous quarter last year. So it's this kind of story that, you know, people are locked down, they can't spend money, so national savings are going through the roof. So it's interesting that the Chinese government and central banks um, goal to be to get people to spend, whereas in Australia and the US, we're trying to get people to stop spending. Um, but one thing I look at, which uh, is a quote from former Premier Li Keqiang, mm. who said to The Economist magazine in the mid-2000s that he didn't believe the numbers coming out of Beijing because they were man-made. Mm-hmm. So he looked at um, rail freight movements, electricity production and bank credit. And so The Economist came out with an index of those three factors, called it, we, you know, called it after the former uh, Premier Li Keqiang, um, up 11% in March. Of The traffic freight volume is not out for March, so I just used February's number there. But you can see consistently those three measures are all double digit. So official GDP is four and a half, but that measure suggests the economy is a lot faster. That same measure said the slowdown in 2015, 2016 was much bigger than they were saying, which we, we worked oh. out was true. Mm. But you've got those three factors are growing very strongly. So the China bull story is, is very much intact. And probably one of the reasons the materials sector did a little bit better today yeah. than the rest of the market is that, you know, how do you get exposure to China? We've got Treasury Wine and A2 Milk and maybe IDP Education, but it's really the iron ore miners yeah. that are the stocks that you buy. That's interesting. So can we just get that chart back up again? Because you obviously explained the construction of it. But yeah. So the way we interpret that is perhaps twofold. One is that obviously it's, it's very, very strong now, but there's base effects that that's working off where things were weaker than the published data last year, but that's more or less already known that's in the past. And now we're working off a lower base, ergo things are better than expected. Is that roughly how, to, how do we, how we yeah, interpret that? Yeah, I was that? just saying the GDP is understating the strength of growth. Mm. I mean, the GDP is a broader measure than those three things. When you think about those three things, they're very industrial in nature. I mean, um, banking credit just grows 10% to 12% every year in China. It never slows down. But those other two measures do uh, are quite volatile, and particularly rail freight. Rail freight, you know, clearly is a an indicator of the amount of um, you know stuff being moved around the economy. Um, not as much export led, um, whereas something like um, electricity generation, you know, a lot of that is heating and so forth. But a lot of it's also making steel. Mm. Um, sorry, making uh, power for for industry. So yeah, it's it's designed to be just a broader measure that's a bit more contemporaneous than the than the man made. GDP numbers. So does it infer that the next quarter's GDP numbers like are going to be, you know, even stronger? Is it like this is kind of like an indicator saying, well, we've we've held back (laughs) some of the the growth that's in the economy and we might just shift it into the next quarter? Yeah, it's suggesting that the official GDP is being understated. Yeah. That's what it's suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. Massaging. 
And, and, and I know you've already sort of said it, but by extension of that, you, you would assume that perhaps the miners or some of those stocks that we keep pointing to as being, well, China sensitive, uh, well, maybe undervalued at these levels or at least a decent buy? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we, we're probably like most people, a little bit cautious about iron ore being mm. 120 bucks yeah. a tonne when there's so much um, you know, new production coming on stream in, over the next few years. And China should be reducing its metal intensity. So yes, its economy can continue to grow, but if you're using more scrap and less, um, you know, less new steel, then that's gonna reduce demand for iron ore over the longer term. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on um, the debt ceiling, because yeah. that's definitely something that's um, bubbling up into the mainstream media. So what are you thinking about Yeah, look, that, it's that a, a real sleeper issue. When I was in, in London in January, that was raised as probably the biggest risk this year to markets. And everyone would just went, don't be silly. They just kick it down the road every yeah. year. But I think the, the amount of pain that the Congress went through to elect McCarthy, I think it was what, 18 votes mm. or something. It was, it was very clear that the Republicans are just not gonna kick this down the road anymore. The Democrats want the debt ceiling move to next year with no conditions on it. And the Republicans have said, no, we want you to stop spending. We want you to start reducing these deficits because they're just getting out of control. So the credit default swap, which is the risk of the US defaulting mm. on its treasury in a year is about 1%, which is insane, right? That's mm. one of the, it's, you know, it's AAA rated by Moody's, it's AA plus Standard & Poor's. It's about the safest kind of rating you can get for a sovereign. And yet to ensure the debt defaulting this year, it's cost you about 1%. So the credit markets are telling you this is a real issue. There is a chance that some liabilities are falling due this year. The federal government's not gonna be able to pay them. Mm. So, because of this debt ceiling. So just be careful lending to the US government on a, on a six month view. You're gonna, you know, uh, you're in for a rocky road. So I don't think the markets are really pricing that in. Mm, mm. In fact, they, they seem to be ignoring it. But I just think investors should be aware that this is a real issue and the market's pricing in you know, problems that could happen on a, you know, you talked about systemic risk and we've got a pretty fragile financial system as what's happened in the past couple of months have showed us. You don't want, you know, concern about a default of the world's biggest detonation <laughs> thrown in that as well, right? It's, it's going to make LTCM look like a walk in the park <laughs> when Russia defaulted, but we won't go there, will we? <laughs> no. Well, so what would the potential investment impl implications be of that? Obviously, it's one of those very complex situations where there's a variety of outcomes that, that, that could uh, materialise. But, I mean, is it simply going to be a plumbing issue? Because obviously that's going to mess with, with the Treasury market a fair bit. I mean, yeah. it's going to have knock-on effects, obviously, to market liquidity, equity prices more broadly. I mean, is, this, is that going to be one of those moments where you're just going to have to really sit to the sidelines and just hope they, they flesh yeah, this well, thing out? Markets hate uncertainty, right? So what, what that measure is telling me is that there is a game of brinkmanship that's going on that's going to come right up to the 11th hour mm -hmm. and it's going to be a Cuban Missile Crisis kind of countdown. Mm. Um, and, you know, you hope that they push something through. But if, based on what I'm hearing at the moment, the Republicans are really dug in on, they mm. want they want some some spending controls and some and some um, uh, measures put in place to, re you know, reduce the size of these ever-burgessing deficits, um, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Democrats to do something about that rather than just saying, oh, we're going to kick it down the road. So the market's going to be nervous about it. So as we approach, I think September is probably the drop dead date. Um, as we approach that date, the market's going to get more and more cautious about it. So it's just going to, another risk off factor. So mm -hmm. things like, you know, gold do well in these situations. Perversely, the US dollar is not going to go well because it's probably in the centre of it. But I just think you should be just building a little bit of a risk premium into markets.
Okay, we might have to leave it there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a great topic. Cheery note. Yeah. yeah, cheery note. And I'm sure if uh, if it is indeed something that's going to be uh, coming at us like a freight train, we won't. Uh, this is not the last time that we'll be talking about it. So, Martin Crabshaw and Partners, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's go have a bit of a look at what's happening overnight, shall we? And, uh, well, a few things in Canada, but uh, we were talking about it before. Perhaps US earnings will be the, the, the thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Although I do think that Canadian CPI mm. and, um, will be quite interesting what's going on north of the US border only by virtue of the fact that the Canadian or oh, the Bank of Canada was one of the first to go on pause. Mm. So um, markets may read something into that. But yeah, lots of big bank earnings coming out. Well, not back banks. Yes, definitely banks. I think we've also got Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Netflix, and uh, there were a couple of others that I had. Johnson & Johnson coming out and United mm-hmm. Airlines as well. Yeah, there's uh, sort of consumer staples uh, plays will be will be interesting as well. And uh, United Airlines, like you said, uh, another fascinating one. Um, okay, well, that's that. And uh, well, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Let's get to those leaders and laggards, shall we? And uh, homing in on the leaders first, what do we got? A blank screen. We've been staring through this. <laughs> I think it was Tilix. Uh, it was Tilix Pharmaceuticals. Yes, I think, was, I think that was one of the stronger ones today. Yeah. Basically, they had a better than, better than expected first quarter report. Oh, no, we've got, oh, the, laggards we got the laggards instead. But look, profit taking coming in there in terms of like resources had a really strong bounce yesterday. Um, yeah, Paladin. I think I just see a lot of those laggards in terms of rotational. They're up, you know, for a couple of days and then some profit came, taking coming in. I haven't picked up anything on Star Entertainment. No, but it was up yesterday as well. We yeah. Saw. So yeah. it was sort of a yeah. swings and roundabouts, but we couldn't really find a good story there as to why Paladin, that might have been the case. Paladin, going, people going off uranium for well, the moment. Well, yeah. Well, like you we were mentioning before, I mean, my, my background obviously is working for retail brokers and uh, they call it obviously the uh, funny money sometimes. They call it the dumb money other times. But, um, you know, <laughs> in these sorts of, uh, yeah, you know, in these sorts of environments, um, the, the, the most popular names to trade, Tesla's one of them, obviously, but um, the lithium plays, uh, uranium plays, and gold, gold plays. Yeah. So you, you see those kind of moves, especially you were, you were talking before that maybe uh, holiday thinned volumes or people are looking after Absolutely. their kids rather than at the, at the desk. Uh, these things can uh, kind of obviously, um, you know, blow out a little bit at... Um, oh. As, oh, here we go. Well, there's there's Tilix, and that that wasn't because of uh, you know uh, dumb money by by any means. That was actually on a really good result uh, last night. A quarterly update that, uh, that the company released. Absolutely, yep, better than expected. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've had an upgrade by UBS of Pilbara Minerals, and uh, that's been very supportive of that share price. And maybe Alcom finding some love as well with. Uh, you know what what UBS has been recommending with Pilbara A2 Milk maybe that's riding on the China theme I'm not 100% sure in terms of why that one is finding some love at the moment but yet again we we tend to see those lithium players very much falling into the leaders and the laggards most days. Yeah, every day almost. And so, well, at least Pilbara Minerals there was stock of the day. I don't know, maybe uh, the algos were, were scraping the Ausbiz platform and uh, decided to, to, to pump that one up towards four bucks. But of course, you, you did say that uh, there's a couple of broker upgrades there that, um, well, have kept that stock in focus. But um, let's have a look at the small caps now. Always fun. Um, 
Oh la la, I that is quite some moves there, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think that might they're, be. They're the ERA rights, are they? <laughs> I think that might be a typo. <laughs> that's that's a fat finger. Um, if we if we're on a oh, dealing dear. floor, someone would have just been walked out with a brown paper box, I think. Uh, but uh, there you go, energy, whatever that is. Uh, but uh, coal uh, in the focus as well. Uh, very minor, uh, heavy, and uh, Saint Barbara. Interesting, down uh, 10% today, it would seem. So that's a fairly significant uh, move. Peak uh, rare earths of 9%. Um, Andromeda Metals, I'm not across that one, off about 9.5% as well. Indeed. Well, uh, I guess that does do it for another day. Uh, we're going to have a lot of news out tonight, US earnings, and mm-hmm. um, well, a little bit quieter on the macroeconomic calendar, but I think we're going to be kept very, very busy with those US earnings. So, Danny, what do you reckon? Call it a day for another one? Yes, absolutely. But that was a great chat we had with Martin. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's all for the COB today. It certainly is. Make sure to catch up on all the news and interviews on our website and app. We'll see you tomorrow morning. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.